Hi, this is Jen with Bright Families. This podcast is about getting your husband on board, whether he is kind of or not, with changing your family's diet. And I think a story from one of my friends kind of sums this up. She'd realized that she shouldn't have certain things in the house because she would eat them more than was good for her. So she stopped buying them and kind of explained this to her husband. And he kept asking where the foods were. And she said, I, I told you, you know, I, I can't buy ice cream or chips or those. I, we shouldn't have them around. He said, yeah, yeah, I get that. But but why, where are they? <laughs> and they went back and forth on this a little bit until he adjusted his expectations that these things really just weren't going to be in the house. And they weren't a problem for him. It was kind of disappointing. But he did adjust and it was better for her. And it just was that disconnect that we all have between with what we rationally know is a good decision and what we're used to. And so much of the discussion with your husband or other family members about what's going to be in the house does come down to what you're used to. So family styles, what you're both coming in with makes an impact. And I'm lucky this way because my mother-in-law was a pretty tuned in mom in terms of nutrition. She realized that her children needed to have protein every morning to feel okay They had kind of unsteady blood sugar. They had fast metabolisms. So they would have eggs pretty much every morning and toast, sometimes other things. But she noticed that even on Sunday when they would go to church and they might not have such a good breakfast and they might have donuts afterwards, the kids would not do as well. So they had a rule protein before sugar. And they had more sweet things around the house than my family did growing up but they were much more moderate. They had more systems about ensuring that the kids ate moderately. So they always had soda around, but you could only have one soda a day. And they always had ice cream in the freezer, but you could only have one or two scoops a night or whatever the amount was. And they made cookies pretty regularly, but you got two in your lunch. And uh, my husband said he remembers going to school and seeing people that had a whole line of Oreos in their lunch. And thinking, what what kind of parents are these, you know, that give their kids 10 cookies instead of two? Now, my family also emphasized protein, but we did not have systems. So we would buy ice cream and people would just eat as much as they want. And then we'd be out of ice cream for a few days and then we'd buy more. So probably it averaged out to the same amount of ice cream, but in uneven amounts. And... While my mom made herself eggs many mornings, the other kids didn't all love eggs. So it was kind of more what your inclination was. Some kids ate more, some kids ate less. And we all ate whatever combination of the foods available we preferred. So I think there's a lot to be gained there in terms of learning to trust your appetite and learning to prepare your own food and just kind of uh, honing your instincts for what what kind of food is the right kind of food to have at that moment. But it was also easy over easy to eat too much sugar when we had it, even though we didn't always have it. And we didn't buy soda, just as a general rule, because my mom just didn't feel it was worth the money. They did buy juice. And again, they weren't particularly moderate about that. So I think the younger kids drank too much juice when I was a kid I'm on the older end of the family, they basically didn't buy juice. So it was kind of off the table. 
Now, I had always wished that my parents would buy more fruit and to some extent more vegetables. We ate a lot of frozen vegetables because it was uh, inexpensive and convenient. And of course, my mom had read that the nutrition was pretty similar, although the experience of eating frozen vegetables is not very similar to the experience of eating fresh vegetables. And we ate a fair amount of dairy, which of course, as you get older, people tend to tolerate not as well. Now, my husband's family was very organized about their meal times. They were pretty consistent. They bought much better versions of some things like cold cuts. They always bought really nice cold cuts and nice sourdough bread. And my family bought nice versions of other things like we would buy steak really regularly during the summer. Steak and burgers were kind of a staple. And we would buy corn on the cob and we would eat much more interesting and probably healthier food in the summer than in the winter. Now, this was in Massachusetts. My husband grew up in California where the food is kind of the same year round. But there were certain things that his parents did not care to buy because they felt that it was too messy and too much work, such as corn on the cob. So this was one of the many hilarious moments I had as a newlywed when I bought corn on the cob. You know, when it was in season, I said, hey, let's have some corn on the cob. You know, here it is in the store. And my husband said, are you, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, what are you talking about? It's just just going to shuck the corn, you know? And he said, uh, well, okay, but just it's kind of messy. It gets all over the kitchen. I was like, yeah, I'll sweep it up, you know? I'll try not to get it all over the floor. It was a little mysterious to me until one time I shucked corn with his parents, and they shucked corn outside with newspaper on the porch. And I've, I know some friends have had the same experience where, you know, food culture can be this comical comical encounter between two different family cultures. So one of the other debates that I had with my husband when we were newlyweds was, you know, what do you eat for breakfast? And he felt that the most disciplined, appropriate human behavior was to eat breakfast food, healthy breakfast food for breakfast. So bacon, eggs, toast, maybe fruit if you want fruit, maybe coffee, And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'll often eat eggs for breakfast, but sometimes there's cheesecake in the fridge and I might eat cheesecake for breakfast. And he said, that's, that's like completely decadent. That's dessert. And I said, you know, if waffles with whipped cream and fruit is an, as a socially acceptable breakfast, then I don't see why cheesecake shouldn't be a socially acceptable breakfast because, you know, nutritionally, it's not that different or a donut with, you know, cream in it. He said, well, I don't think that's a good breakfast. I said, I didn't say it was a good breakfast either. I said it was a socially acceptable breakfast. So I don't want to be shamed about eating cheesecake for breakfast. So we went back and forth on this. And, you know, ultimately, he just gave up teasing me about the cheesecake for breakfast. And most mornings, I do eat a regular breakfast. And there were certain other things that I found really interesting about the way he handled food He's not sensitive to social pressure the way I am. So no matter how fabulous the dessert was, he might turn it down. He just doesn't have much of a sweet tooth. And I would always have felt that it was polite to say yes when someone had put the time in to make a homemade dessert and it was likely to be quite good. And I would kind of say yes, even though I was already full. So that was really interesting for me to see that it really was okay to just turn down dessert when you were full from an excellent meal. And what I've ended up doing long-term is to say, oh, I'm only hungry enough for a bite. I'll taste it. I'd love to taste it, but I can't eat a whole serving. 
But if there's any left, I'll take some home and I'll eat it for breakfast <laughs> because that's when I'm hungrier for a piece of pie sometimes is in the morning, not after I just had a fabulous steak dinner with salad and mashed potatoes. So we had a lot of little debates about how we were going to do this even before we had kids. And then once the kids came, there were other questions like, do we make the kids finish their plates? How much do you serve them? Did you serve them too much? Do you offer them the same thing and they have to eat it? Do they get options? How much do they get to choose? Do they have to eat what we make for dinner? Or do we let them have a bowl of cereal if they say that the chili is too spicy, even though it's really not? So all those sorts of questions. And of course, figuring out what the kids like, what seems to agree with them, what seems to not agree with them. One of the main debates that we had was how much fruit are we going to buy for our kids? Because my husband is not really a fruit person. He could go weeks, maybe months without eating a piece of fruit and not miss it. And in terms of vegetables, he mostly likes things like potatoes, maybe Brussels sprouts, broccoli. But the fruit doesn't really call his name. And I said, well, the fruit always called my name. I always wish my parents brought more. Some of the kids are going to take after me. Fruit is healthier for them than bread. You know, bite for bite, it's more nutritious. They need the vitamin C. I don't want them having crackers as a default. I don't want their bread, their diet to just be a ton of milk, a ton of dairy and grains because that's the cheapest thing. It's not the most nutritious thing. And that was clear from all the nutrition research I'd done. And so we would get into this debate and he, he would say, why are you buying so much fruit? And I remember getting into an argument with him on the phone once. And he said, I think you're... um." I think this is just ridiculous. I think you're just used to it. You're being self-indulgent. You don't actually need to eat this much fruit. And I remember just being livid and saying, fine, if you don't think it's worth buying, I'm working, I'll buy the fruit. You know, we can settle this argument later. But in the meantime, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I am sure that this is something we should offer our children. Now, interestingly, at one point, I did probably before, I don't know, before or after that conversation, I did an experiment on myself. And I thought, maybe I am just being self-indulgent. Maybe I don't need to eat as much fruit as I like to eat. And I'm just going to eat what my husband eats for a week, which was at the time, <laughs> hot dogs, baked beans, ramen, you know, eggs, toast, the regular things, and with some kind of less nutritious stuff, tacos, whatever but really no fruits and vegetables. And I I felt okay, but at the end of that week, I had a cold sore for the first time since high school. I had not had a cold sore in 10, 15 years, and I had a cold sore. So I thought, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I felt okay for a week, but my body was clearly not. I, have not, I haven't seen my body manifest <laughs> this kind of immune suppression or whatever, in a long time. And here this is. Not even in college had this ever happened to me, you know, late nights, whatever. So I said, yeah, I tried it. (laughs) And it doesn't, it doesn't really agree with me. Now, the interesting thing is long term, long term, 
the kids have been so healthy as it partly as a result of eating what seemed to be ridiculous amounts of fruit. The kids have been so healthy that now my husband will buy pounds and pounds and pounds of fruit. And he's come to kind of joke about it being a scientific experiment saying, how, how long will it, will it take them to eat 50 pounds of fruit that I bought on Saturday? Will it all be gone in a week? Sometimes we've done little time lapse of how the fruit disappears off of the fruit sideboard. And the kids just really, really enjoy it. They mostly seem to take after me this way. And as I said, we don't offer them bread or crackers all day for their snacks. And we try not to have too many sweets around. So it's they're going to satisfy their sweet tooth largely with the fruit. Now, again, this was a long-term thing. It was years of me saying, fine, I'll buy it. I have my little side job. If you don't, And then year after year, he'd say, huh, our kids didn't get that stomach flu, huh? I, everyone's telling me there's a stomach flu going around. Or, wait, how? our kids have never needed antibiotics, right? I said, no, no, they haven't. And just little questions like that. They were always at a normal weight for their age. As they got into the teen years, they all had pretty decent skin. And, you know, just different things like that, where he just kind of came around and saw that this did work. And maybe it works partly because we have girls that and girls and guys do often like to eat differently, especially as teenagers. Now, there's some other debates about how we're going to cook that I've simply conceded. So, for instance, I would prefer to make beans from dry beans from scratch. But my husband says that ends up with too much beans. We don't actually get through it. I don't like seeing things mold in the fridge. I don't like seeing big plastic containers of ingredients. I'd rather open a can and have a very small quantity. Even though it costs more per ounce, it's not economical. He likes how tidy it is and it comes with a label. He is absolutely not sold on me making five lasagnas, freezing them, and pulling them out to make a lasagna a week. He wants more variety, and he just actually does not like seeing a freezer full of homemade food. To him, it says poverty, not planning. And that's not something that I've felt is completely worth arguing about, because we're not trying to be so, so tight about the food budget that it's worth arguing about. If it was like we had to stick with a certain amount, and then I needed it to be nutritious, I would fight a little harder on these things. But there's certain things that he just simply dislikes. In addition to the beans, he completely dislikes it if I'm simmering chicken bones to make broth. And I said, well, it's kind of a waste of money to buy packaged broth when you could, you know, just simmer down the chicken that you already had and make all this broth and keep it in the freezer. He's like, oh, I just, I hate seeing a freezer full of broth. I'm like, oh, you're saving money. It's extra nutritious, but he just hates it. So, you know, I'll, I'll make a little bit of broth, but... That does not appeal to him at all. He'd rather just buy it and have it in clean containers, shelf-stable, that can go in the cupboard. And so that's been another area where it's just not worth fighting about. The kids are healthy enough with the, with the areas that we do it well. And another area that we've decided to just kind of agree to disagree on is the organic stuff. 
I realized that my husband was never going to want to pay the premium for organic unless it tasted so much better. And even then, he was just going to kind of shudder because he's a numbers person. And so at certain times, you know, we've bought different items as organic or if the cost is virtually similar. But in in the case of where the cost is virtually similar, it's because even the conventional version does not take that much maneuvering or pesticides or whatever to grow it. So something like onions, it's not that different. But with something like chicken, I think the organic chicken tastes distinctly better. But that doesn't mean that Dave is going to buy that if he's shopping at the store. And since he's often the one doing the shopping, he prefers it, he does it when he's already out, then it's not going to be organic. Now, for certain items, if I'm shopping, I'll buy organic. So we end up with kind of a mix. But I still think it's an improvement over how both of us ate growing up in the sense that there's a lot more variety than he had growing up. There's a lot more fruit and vegetables, fresh vegetables, than I had growing up. We buy more interesting cold cuts because that's his family's tradition. Our kids have a fabulous variety of foods. And we're better cooks than either of our parents were just, you know, culture changing. We've had more time. We've had better cookbooks to kind of teach us. We both enjoy it, which is still not to say that we cook amazing food every night. So these are some of the conversations we've had over time about how we're going to do this, how we're going to spend what seems like a reasonable amount, still eat interesting food, not make stuff in huge batches because he dislikes that, buy enough of the things that I consider the top priorities in terms of the kids' health and let some of the things go where I've not been able to convince him to go over to organic everything and the kids are still fine. So I hope that kind of going through this whole process describing these negotiations gives you a little hope and encouragement if you're trying to hold a couple of lines or try some new things and your husband is not really into it. The other thing to consider is unless your husband's working at home and cooking all the food, you're in charge of one, two, maybe three meals a day, depending on what the schedule's like. So regardless of whether your husband thinks that it's stupid to feed kids carrots for lunch, he's not probably feeding the kids lunch. And time will prove you right. If the kids are doing well, then in a sense, the proof is in the pudding. You've shown that what you're doing is working if your kids are healthy. If they're having a normal weight, if they're growing at the right rate, then you kind of get to make your case. And it this can be several, many years in the making. But the odds are you, the mom, are the one who's done a lot more research on this because just in general, moms have the time and a lot of inclination and that really, really big sense of responsibility since you're there all the, for all the meals. And so I would encourage you to find where you can hold the line, stay in budget, figure out what's important 
to kind of stick with. And then make sure the kids are eating well. And of course, do the other things so they're healthy too. But there's often going to be some kind of back and forth and some kind of debate because you are both coming in with different food traditions. Another one I've heard is, you know, my husband's family says that one pound of meat is enough for 10 people. And my family had, you know, five pounds of meat for 10 people. And where do we find the middle ground? How do we know? There's different food philosophies out there. And in a sense, it's kind of probably the middle ground is the right place to be, right? Both of those are kind of extreme. But also it's going to depend on your kids, their ages, your mix of boys and girls, how active they are. And I can say from experience watching the people I know, the families on the low, low protein end, their kids do have more health concerns. The families on the high protein end, the kids might end up overweight, but they don't have health problems. So, you know, just very, very casually, empirically, that's something we've noticed. The families who eat lots of fruits and vegetables, they eat protein at most of their meals, maybe not all the meals, but most of the meals, the kids are just fine. So hopefully you can think through this. You're welcome to come to Mom's Health Club. This is the kind of thing we talk about after our little main topic each month. We have a little kind of Q&A discussion time where we just freeform it. It's really fun. And these are just the kinds of things that come up where people discuss, how did you bring your husband on board with this or this? Or did you decide to just not worry about this other thing? All right. I hope this has been helpful. This is Jen with Bright Families. Take care.